what we do here is go back, 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 back. Welcome to This Podcast is Delicious. Very exciting. We're booking oh, in April. This episode's not a joke. No fool's day here. We're no. serious. I'm Ali Hassan. I'm Marco Timpano. There he is. Ali, we've gotten so much great buzz from the last few episodes. Uh, I gotta let you know, people are like, I did, was that a pun? Was that a pun? Because we oh. did do a cannabis episode, yeah. and we did, are we getting great buzz off the cannabis episode? Listen, I'm still I'm buzzed from it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we're talking about today, and, and, and by the way, thank you so much for your feedback and your engagement. We love it. And I'm just going to say off the top, if you enjoy this show, please do uh, give it a great rating. Tell a few friends about it. Let people know. We welcome you in. We envelop you in our uh, war- my warm embrace. Mar- Marco's cold hard stare yes, are yes. here for you, and we'll welcome you in, and uh, we'll take you on a little um, a fun journey. I, I, that's the way I look at this show. Make us the Michelin star of your podcast. Oh, wow. Give us five stars. Tell your friends. Really hype us up because, uh, you know, we want to we want to share. I want to share my cold heart with everyone. And you're just Absolutely. infectious with your with your warm heart. So, you know. <laughs> infectious. I have been referred to as infectious. Uh, today, the uh, infectiousness of uh, of cheese, the joy around cheese is what I'm, I'm diving into. And Marco, you're going to come in hot. But second this time, we used yeah. to do cocktails first and yeah, then yeah. food afterwards. You're going to match some of the stuff I'm talking about with with some great cocktails. Spoiler alert. I had I had this whole thing prepared and you're like just letting the cat out of the bag in my section. Okay. Can we... Um... Can we edit that out? Or? No, no, it's fine. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. I didn't. I didn't mean to hurt your feelings. It's but okay. I, I, no, but uh, but on that point, like everyone, you know, it's so easy. Listen, I I I share with you, hoping that you'll let me have my moment in the sun. But no, man, like pulling the carpet from under me, I stumble back. Well, what do people think you're going to do, Marco? All of a sudden, you know what he's going? He's going to give you tax tips today. <laughs> you're obviously going to pair with cocktail. I mean, that's what you do. No. There's no- the the easy pairing would be wine and cheese. And cheese. Right? Oh, I see what you're saying. That's, that's the what, surprise element. That's what the other podcasts give you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, the yeah. ones that don't love you give you. But we love you. So we're going to give you something else. And I'm going to pair five cocktails that you can find on past episodes, so you don't have yeah. to research how to make them, with cheeses. And Ali, little little preview, some of these surprised me. Okay. Oh, okay. you surprised so, yourself with yourself. Dude, dude yeah. I, I did the research and I was like, Really? Oh man, I gotta try that. And I think there's a couple cocktails that I know you like on there. I think there's more cocktails you like on there than me. It's good. It's about time yeah. I had my, my 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 time in the sun here on this episode. All right, let's dive into this exciting world of cheese. Now, the way I'm looking at this, right, it's the beginning of April. Many of us are like, bring on summer as quickly as possible. Let's stop screwing around, just bring it. But in April. In many parts of uh, North America and in in Europe, and I say though I bring that up because that's where the bulk of our listeners are. It's still cold. It's still wet. It's still a little damp. So, from my perspective, is yeah, you can you can do some things where you know we've talked about this before. You have like a a light um, Mexican or West Indian meal, and you get the summer vibes flowing. But you can also do something which is a tribute to the winter that was, like kind of a farewell to winter. Sure. And uh, and while it's still a little bit cold, it's still a little bit exciting to dive into the world of cheese. So I'm going to talk about a few things. Number one is fondue. 
Number two is, and that's for those who really want to be warm on a cold, damp day. Number two is grilled cheeses. Okay. And number three is cheese on a board. And we've got some pictures on our Instagram site. This podcast is delicious. Uh, You can see uh, it's been a real cheese board theme around the Hassan family. My seven-year-old turned eight and he wanted a cheese board on his birthday. A a, a chicusery? Yeah, he he has no idea how to pronounce it. He's like you in that way. And he's, uh, it's just funny because, you know, remembering my youth, burgers and a cake, like it was pretty simple. Now I get six different types of things to get, you know, figs. I'm buying figs to put on a cheese board. It's ridiculous. By the way, that Instagram post, this podcast is delicious. Just type that in your Instagram. One of our listeners asked you a specific question with regards to that cheese, that, that, um, that, that post, why are the pistachios blue radio silence on your end no response so maybe you can take an opportunity to explain i missed that i have to explain to somebody that those are blueberries probably i think i mean i think they're blueberries i don't don't have blue pistachios did you put a filter on there to make them look blue are you like that kind of instagrammer okay i'm gonna look into it i apologize for the delay i'm sorry that i missed it uh hate the radio silence i'm gonna get back to that person side note i had persian pistachios Oh, uh, not God. too long ago. Top and notch, man. I, I'm spoiled for any other pistachio. Uh, I was at a friend's house in Los Angeles. He had pistachios on. I didn't even tell him. I grabbed a handful and I was like in heaven. Anyways. Oh, man. I'm with you, buddy. I'm with you. I've I've done that. There's a guy um, uh, who, who works at the CBC. He owns a, uh, he owns a sort of like this corner shop and he's a mm-hmm. Persian guy and he brought them for me. Because uh, I kept buying pistachios in his corner sure. store, and he literally uh, <laughs> he cannibalized his own sales to bring me from like some you know a nut purveyor in sure. Richmond Hill, which is a little bit outside of about a half an hour outside of Toronto, which I believe is where he lives, and he brought me this you know so sixty dollar bag, yeah, as big as my arm. Amazing. Of pistachios. And then the second time it was lemon pistachios, so they have a lemon salt around them. So you're suck. I mean. I just eat them too fast and in too large quantities that I'm like, let me find a reason to suck on the shells. Sure. They're sure. like, uh, they soaked in some lemon. <laughs> Perfect. Anything to just know, slow my motor mouth down. Get to know Persian people if you want the best nuts. Yeah. That's my tip. And, yeah. and rice as well. Uh, yeah. You know, and uh, kebab, you know, there's a lot of stuff. Right, there's a lot. Just okay, get, but- to know, get to know your local Persians, huh? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Public service. A Persian service announcement right there. All right. Let's talk about fondue. Let's get into this. Um, and what we're really going to talk about is if you're making a great fondue mm-hmm. on a great grilled cheese, what are you looking for in your cheese? Meltability. Good meltability. Mu- do you have my notes in front of you? No, Fantastic, no, I don't. Buddy. I don't. Fantastic. Exactly right. Good meltability. And very important to know that in this world of meltability, yeah. it is not about eyeballing a cheese or seeing the words firm or soft or semi-firm. Sure. That's not how it goes. So let me give you some background on cheese okay. that many of you probably already know about. Cheese starts off as milk. If that's coming as a surprise to anybody... I'm going to recommend you go back to the beginning of our podcast yeah. and listen to every episode one after another to get just sort of a history of food. But she starts off as milk. It's then curdled. The curds are separated. They are squeezed. Many of you have seen the cheesecloth squeeze. That squeezing forces out excess water. Yeah. All right. Cheeses uh, are curdled with a combination of enzymes. And when those enzymes are rennet, 
you have meltability when they're curdled with acid, like is the case with your ricotta yes, or with uh, queso fresco, they don't melt at all. Okay. So a big reason why your cheese may not melt uh, is, is moisture content. Okay. So the moisture content of the cheese has a huge effect on the melting process. So a cheese that, in, uh, that has high amounts of fat will melt better than one that doesn't fat instead of moisture. So, um, let me, let me tell you this. Is that why? Yeah. Sorry. I I gotta, I gotta interrupt this, 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 this science lesson that I love. Is that why vegan cheeses don't melt my friend? Exactly right. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Okay. You probably have seen the words MF on your, on your cheese or something like that. It's the the moisture, right? So we usually don't pay attention to moisture levels. If you're looking for fondue, if you're looking for something you need to melt, high moisture levels will melt easily. They will melt at low temperatures. Cheeses with lower uh, moisture or humidity levels, which is about, so high means 60 to 80%. Okay. Okay. Low is 30 to 35. You need very high temperatures to melt them or they don't melt hardly at all. I see. Okay. So to recap, how well a cheese will melt has to do with moisture or humidity, i.e. a water to fat ratio. I see. Okay. In general, a cheese with the higher water content will melt well, dry cheeses melt poorly, or uh, they don't really melt. They separate into sort of pools of fat. I see. Nobody okay? And wants another that. No, on that note, actually, when you, when you age cheese, you should know that cheeses do dry out sure. over time. Yeah. So all things being equal, a younger, fresher, newer cheese is going to melt better than one that's been aged. Okay. So those are things to consider. So an MF on the cheese uh, it's it's not, it, or MH. It's, it's not a swear. It means yeah. moisture factor. Yeah. Your cheese yeah, company is exactly. not telling you where to go or anything exactly. about your mother. Okay. Exactly right. Um, so think about this. There's this this, yeah. this family of cheeses. And, and, and as I said, the firmness and the, the, the that doesn't matter. Yeah. Because you have these firm, semi-firm cheeses that just don't melt over direct, uh, indirect heat in the kitchen sure. either. Think about you get a taco. And there's like the cotija cheese yeah. or a queso panela or queso fresco. It doesn't matter how hot your uh, your barbacoa or your 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 your, your pork shredded pork is right. in a pulled pork in, in your taco is that cheese is not melting. Right. Right. Think about paneer. Yeah. Paneer, paneer. sitting in like a hot boiling bubbling sog. Sauce. Yeah. Still doesn't still doesn't uh, melt. Halloumi, halloumi is another example. It's its texture makes it great in a sandwich, in a wrap, but there's no melting. So no. you're better off, you know, just accept that. Feta, caseri. Do you know what caseri cheese is? What does that mean to you? Um, you like house, a house cheese. Is that is that that Portuguese cheese? It is, is not. It? Okay. It is a Greek cheese that goes in saganaki. Saganaki. Oh yes, of course, that, of course. Right, a little brandy or or sambuca, and it's flambéed, and everybody yells opa. Um, I think that's that Uzo. I think cheese. the Greeks would would take take uh, umbrage with uh, sambuca. It's Uzo they put in it. Not, it's not Uzo. I think in some of the restaurants they do brandy and they, uh, yeah. they bastardize the Saganaki. I love that. It's such an impressive flame. It's an impressive flame. It's a fried cheese. It's like this marvel. You're like, why didn't this melt? 
because of moisture content, very little humidity or moisture content. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And of course, another, you know, this is why I'm saying soft and, uh, and hard, firm, doesn't matter. Ricotta doesn't really melt. Goat cheese doesn't really melt. No, it's already super right. soft yeah. and that's the end of it, right? So let's talk about good melting cheeses. Okay. Okay. Here we go, folks. The first one that comes to mind uh, is Gruyere. Yes, okay? of course. Of course. You're looking for a nice a cheese that's going to be nice and creamy and and that's gruyere. So let me let me give you a little background. This is I'm very I'm 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 channeling my inner Marco here. Gruyere named after the town of Gruyere in Switzerland where it's originally made. If you've seen Gruyere, it's got like this pale yellow I would say creamy look to it, right? Sure. It's got this slightly nutty taste. It has this is those, the cheese, not the town, right? We're talking this about is the town. The town. Okay. Maybe there's pale yellow people in the town. <laughs> Couldn't say with confidence. Haven't okay. been. All right. You've got these small holes in the cheese eyes, not as big as Swiss cheese, sure. right? Those are the gas bubbles that are released right. when when the cheese is um, you know cured or being right. uh, processed. Um, it's smooth. Melts nicely, just like Swiss. It's made from cow's milk. Okay, it's a great table cheese. Often on a cheese board, you'll find it there. But it is also an excellent melting cheese. And that's why, you know, Gruyere, Emmental often come up when you're talking about a fondue recipe. Yeah, yeah. It's also, oh. um, when combined with Emmental, sometimes not, it's the cheese that's used to make the Croque Monsieur. Okay, the classic oh. French grilled cheese. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Croque Monsieur. Also, you're you're melting the cheese in in a little bit of flour. You're making a roux. Um, by the way, Croque Monsieur. Yeah, literally means Mister Crunchy. Mm-hmm. But you top it with an egg. What does it become, Marco? It's a Croque Madame, my friend. You know your stuff. Come you on, stuff. huh? I didn't. Come on, come on. What do you want from me? I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. No, although I would didn't. love to fall off a turp- turnip truck, folks. Pickle those turnips right away. <laughs> mash them with some butter. Absolutely. Next couple of cheeses I'm going to talk about uh, for fondue. Okay, Gruyere is a top top right top choice. Fontina is the other yes, one. Yes, of course. Yeah. Of course. I mean, I just, I see you light up. It's just the Italian pride just comes out. The reason his pride is coming out, folks, is because um, Fontina, the cows from which the cheese comes, they live at the f- feet of the Alps, the yeah. Italian Aosta Valley, known for its lush meadows, right? Yeah. That's what the cows feed on, and they're the ones who produce Fontina. So Fontina, and I would tell you this. Spend the extra money for a good Fontina because yes. I've had some bland Fontina in my life. I had, I've had what tastes like Fontina product, you know? You know uh, what? Look at where it's made because the, yeah. some people will will claim their cheese is Fontina and it's made here in Canada and they don't know. Obviously, the cows are not the ones in the Alps and you you need a proper Fontina. I dated a girl named Fontina once. Was she from the region? No, and I, I, I wasn't. It wasn't exactly what I was looking for. Was she I'm... sweet and pungent the way the cheese is? Or <laughs> we'll we'll leave that where that is. Uh, it is when when you buy a good Fontina. Yeah, and I, I can't stress that enough. But it yeah. is it is creamy, and I've had not creamy Fontina. Right, right. It's it's rich. It's it as I said, sweet and pungent. It has these buttery notes, a nutty note. It is very good. In both the fondue and in your um, in your grilled cheese, and so I'll tell you this: that you know, there's these grasslands, these meadows around this Aosta Valley, and then the cheese itself is also in in caves in the mountains. They yeah. provide this perfect low temperature for the aging. So it's very like if you're a wine lover, 
the Fontina as well has this great uh, sort of like a, a wine type history where the cheese comes from the cows in the valley and then the cheese itself is put in caves in these low temperatures where these um, cheeses kind of you know get to this uh, incredible um, uh, moisture and it, it picks up the aromas and these nuances sure. from, from its surroundings. So uh, very nice cheese. And then Finally, I recommend. I, I oh, recommend sorry. if you have a cave near you in your town, yes. store yeah. your cheese there. Some people live near gorges. Some people live like near mountains. There's caves. If you can find a good cheese cave, yeah, you're rolling in it, my friend. <laughs> I, don't know. I, don't know. I don't know how many cave owning friends you have, but I'm, uh, you know, I don't roll in the same circles you do. Sure, time, okay. so sure you. And finally, third cheese, which I mentioned for a variety of reasons, is Gouda. Now, uh, Gouda, as we would know, a Dutch cheese. Yes. I will say this, and because and, if there's any purists out there, is there any Dutch out there, you cannot say that Gouda uh, is, is a cheese coming from Gouda. It used to be. Right. But Gouda now is more like a, a style. If you want right. actual Gouda, if you want the real deal, you have to look for Nord Holland's Gouda. Uh, yeah. Holland's, the word Holland with an S-E at the end. I don't even know if that's the right pronunciation. I, it works. For that me. is like you know the way the Parmigiano Reggiano is protected. Yep. That's yep. the same kind of thing. It's you can only represent true Dutch Gouda if you are North Holland's Gouda, and it's made with Dutch milk from that Listen, region. So yeah. shout out to the Netherlands because they know what they're doing when it comes to cheese, and I don't think they get enough respect. Yeah, and we're disrespecting them right now, Marco. I don't okay. know if you realize that because you know how we say Gouda. You know how it's yeah. actually pronounced. I don't know. It's something very similar to Rauda. Rauda. Oh, so it's okay. an ow in the beginning and the G, you know, it's something that doesn't exist in the English language. And the only reason I know it is because uh, having read Arabic, having studied Urdu, right. there is a R. So it's a Rauda. You got to you oh. kind of got to gargle the G. I'm not putting any pressure on you to do that. It might be even more disrespectful. <laughs> like Van Gogh? Like Van Gogh? The, the painter? Very, very possible. Thank very you. possible. Not- yeah, Van Gogh. Rauda, Rauda. Anyway, that's just, you know, we've started taking, we, we, we've all started, uh, you know, my friends are all, nobody says faux. So you feed me soup and they go, pho, right? Fuh, so we're, yeah. we're trying to be respectful. I want you to know if you want to be respectful, you probably want to look up a pronouncer, but it is in the Rauda space. So um, Rauda also, it's mild, soft, slightly sweet. I actually enjoy uh, this cheese on a sandwich. I enjoy it on crackers. It's a great addition to a cheese board, but it, you know, you also have, it's, it's got a great meltability mm-hmm. and uh, for cooking, some people like a Gouda mac and cheese as well. Um, I would rather have it melted than, 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 than not melted because it's a little bit more simple as a, as a flavor. Okay. So you're, but you're in your uh, fondue, Gruyere, Fontina, Gouda, great choices. If you can't find those, Emmental, uh, great choice. Jarlsberg, great choice. Beaufort, Conte, or of course, Raclette. These all depend yeah. on the recipe. <clears throat> um, but yeah, definitely. Let's not let's not even have conversations about uh, you know goat cheese or like mozzarella in your mm. in your fondue. That's not what we're talking no, about. Here, no, so. no, no, no. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So that is, you know, a lot. And uh, last thing, you know, when you look up, if you if you want some other cheeses that are great for melting, um, Havarti can can melt well. You know, Swiss, 
I, I find Swiss a little bland for my liking. Munster, Provolone, again, a little bland for my liking. But those are all there as well. For me, in a cheddar, in a uh, oh, let me let me one more thing that I had read that I, I feel like I should mention because we don't talk about this nearly enough. The suggestion here that I read was that cheese is a living, breathing thing. Right, right. it's created right. from living, breathing bacteria and this kind of stuff. So it's best not to suffocate it in plastic, as you wouldn't do with any other living, breathing thing. Right. So your cheese is best wrapped in parchment paper. And then you loosely wrap that in plastic. Good tip. Okay. You put it in the warmest area of your fridge, like the vegetable drawer near the bottom, that kind of thing. And it doesn't last forever. No. Right? With the exception of Parmigiano-Reggiano, which, I mean, you know, you shave the outside. I mean, God, we've had that for many, many months. But otherwise, we're talking about weeks. And also, freezing, you should know, does alter the texture of the cheese, if you just got some generic lasagna you're making, maybe it's not the end of the world, but I personally would would recommend against uh, freezing cheese. There you go. My goodness. Yeah. That's I, that's my fondue spiel, <clears throat> and I, uh, I stand behind it, uh, you know, very committed. Now, getting into grilled cheese, which okay. is not just a tribute to warm winter days, but also just like – most people's comfort food, with all due respect to the lactose intolerant among sure. us. A grilled cheese, you know, I mean, it just, when things go bad, <laughs> it's not been a good day. And the and the rule that I live by, which one out of 10 people is an asshole, and, and let's sure. say you had a four on 10 day. Yeah. A grilled cheese makes everything better. Better. A soup and cheese combination, grilled cheese? Yeah. For Tomato me. Tomato and, yeah. I know, gosh. Something that's some, that's the only time I would ever open up a can of tomato soup. Yeah. I, now I just so hell bent on making my own soup. Um, but you're in a pinch. Yep. And things aren't going well. Open up uh, a branded, you know, a tomato soup and make yourself a grilled cheese, and and everything's not so bad anymore. No. I mean, really, it's really like medicine. Truly, it's the comforting, warm feeling. It's the hug of food. It's the uh, hug. Have you ever poached an egg in your tomato soup? I've never done that. I think Dude. that's great. But it's not so different from shakshuka, right? The right. Um, the Middle Eastern breakfast that is you're cooking eggs. Yeah. And is that what you're saying? Like you, you, you. drop it in or you poach it previously no, no. and then – Drop it in, let it poach in the soup. Let it poach in the and soup. Then, a great idea. And then leave it in the soup. And as you're yeah. soup, eating the soup, you break that egg. If you like it soft like I do, it'll spill into the soup. Yeah. It's it's wonderful. Oh, that's yeah. even better medicine. Yeah. The medicine just got stronger. Now new and improved <clears throat> with poached egg. Um, although, you know, all that said, if you've got the time, make your own tomato soup. So fantastic when you make it on your own. The sweetness of basil, a sure. little bit of chili oil. It's fantastic. Anyway. If you've got the time, grow your own tomatoes and then make your own soup. <laughs> if you've got the time, I mean, uh, you know, start a tomato plantation. How far are we going to go back on this one? You know? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, get out of your cave. Get right. out of your cave and start, uh, you know, planting tomatoes in your field. What is your favorite cheese in a, in a grilled cheese? Let me ask you that. Listen. I'm gonna be very pedestrian and say an aged cheddar. That's yeah. I like. To, no, I like no, no. to. I'm with okay. you, buddy. I'm with you. I'm okay. with you. There's there's a place and time for aged cheddar, right? And that is top of the list. Okay. I did not mention it with um, fondue, right? For good reason. It's meltable, sure, sure. 
but it makes things complex. It takes over other flavors. You're no longer tasting the the the, the nuttiness. You're no longer tasting the nuttiness of um of your Emmental or your 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 Gruyere and that kind of thing, right? So you have to be uh, yeah, you have to be a little bit careful where you use it. But I'm all for the cheddar, and and it, as long as it's good bread, the cheddar is all you really need. That said, <laughs> I'm getting my mouth. My, pardon me, <laughs> listeners. Pardon me. My mouth is like uh, just full of the saliva that's forming as right. I think about all these foods. I'll say this. A few slices of green apple or tomato or caramelized onions sure. or making like a little, you know, sort of your own tomato chutney on the side. There's great things that can be done to complement your grilled cheese, but I I rarely have an aged cheddar grilled cheese on a good bread and go, ah, this is, this is missing. This is lacking. So right. I don't usually say that, right. It's, it's really, really hits the spot. Let's get the cheese boards. Okay. My view of a cheese board, three cheeses is great. Yes. You can go seven if you want. Things get a little wild. Sure. As long as you have other things, if you have a pate on the board, if you, I think three is more than enough. And, okay. and, and then surrounded by various sort of nuts and fruits, fresh fruit, dried fruit, uh, love grapes, love dried figs, dried apricots. Those are great combinations. With Think of any jam that some, you've seen with a, with, a, um, with a cheese, right? When you have it on a little crudité, you have like a fig jam, a little chili jam, these kind of things. Um, any of those things will go great on the board. Listen, if you trust your friends and you don't have, you know, shag carpet, I'd say put some honey there too. Mm. If you don't have spillers, uh, hard cheese with honey. Fantastic. I agree with you. Three cheeses, three cheeses is a, a perfect amount. When you start getting to too many cheeses on your cheese cuterie board, what happens is uh, you don't really appreciate all the cheeses because you've got all these different flavors. It becomes too much. It, it overwhelms your palate. Uh, you yeah. can't differentiate between the subtleties of certain cheeses. Pick three very different cheeses is how I would yeah. approach it. Yeah. And I go from a texture perspective as yeah. well. So I want a soft cheese. Mm-hmm. And often I'll go with a soft, slightly blue, right? So I'm not going Danish blue. I'm not right. going Stilton. These things are going to, these things are going to affect the smell of your kitchen as people walk in. So you want to be aware of that. A lot of people don't eat blue, but a Cambazola or a Gorgonzola yeah. is such a fantastic, and you have, you know, crackers and various breads. So it cuts into that flavor. If people don't like it, they just put a little bit on a cracker and it's, I can't tell you how much my mouth is watering right now. Anyway, I know it's like Pavlov's dog on the other end of this podcast. It's here. insane. Yeah. It's insane. Just dripping, dripping all over the place. The other thing is a very hard cheese. Okay. Firm cheese like manchego is always a great one. Mm -hmm. Okay. I really like thinly sliced manchego. Um, let people slice it yourself if you have like some great, you know, um, what do you want to call it? Sort of fancy knives, cheese knives. Cheese knives, yeah. And then you know, speaking of pedestrian, I don't know if that's the right word, but something that's a bit more of a crowd pleaser. Sure. You also want to challenge the palate a tiny bit, 10% challenge. That's why you have the blue. That's why you have a manchego, for example. Uh, but then you want to have an aged cheddar. You want to have like a Dubliner or something, yeah. maybe Balderson, something. Mm -hmm. So then that's there for everybody. And if somebody's there looking for the mozzarella or God forbid the brick or the marble, 
you don't need that friend. They're at the you wrong place. They're, They're at the right. wrong place. Let them go to a generic wine and cheese somewhere. This is your home. Yeah. You're entertaining, right? You, you have to sort of own the board a little yeah. bit too. Yeah. Worst case scenario, they have grapes and crackers, and then there's other you know food you do? later that they can be excited about. You grab a saucer, you get a craft single, you slap it on there, you put an olive on it, and you say, here, sit yeah. in the corner. God be with you. <laughs> Please find the exit as soon as you can. Yeah. So these are my, this is my, you know, from fondue to grilled cheese to boards. I hope I've inspired you to have like a cheesy April Yeah. and, um, and you know, do it as kind of like a salut to, uh, to, uh, to, to, to winter. Uh, cheese is, 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 is kind of sort of warming and comforting and all that. And then you can move into some lighter fare, which is stuff that we're going to be talking about over the next months. My friend. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. I mean, <clears throat> you were like the Walter White of cheese, the cheese world here on this episode. Like you took me through the, not you took me through the, the science of it. Then you took me on this journey of like where to store it in caves, obviously, and how to really prepare it for guests. Like you, you, you ran the gamut today, my friend. The only thing I didn't do is I didn't do the the big Marco thing where where I, you name the names, you know, like yeah. in 1603, Bartholomew Cheese uh, arrived, uh, you know, and uh, arrived into a bar named the Emmenthal House, and that's how I'm, you know, I don't, I didn't have any of that. But, Listen, uh, if you can't handle the history. That's your. That's I love you. Not I love me. it. I just didn't go in. I didn't go as deep as you go. When Marco makes uh, a cocktail, he has the entire history of who said what to whom at which bar, the bartender's name, and then another guy came and shook up the drink, but he gets no credit. It's a quite a. It's 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 a. It's the original journey. You're the journeyman here. Listen, it's called respect. It is respect. It it's is. called respect. And just because me and Aretha have it, and you don't. You know, don't, don't, don't throw the hate on me. All right. All right. Me, I might have it. Let's see what okay. we've got to All talk right. about. <clears throat> so Ali, it's time to talk about something that you don't, it's not your go-to when it comes to cheese and it's cocktails that pair well with cheese. Very excited about this. Um, and I know that there's some cocktails here that I know that you've loved and I've seen you drink them. Okay. You know, if we, if we were talking wine with cheese, it's like shooting you know, fish in a barrel and, and many of them work, many of them work. Think of the wines that from the area where those cheeses come from, you're not going to go wrong, but I want to start with the G and T the gin and tonic. All right. So the gin and tonic has floral notes. It brings out the floral notes in the cheeses and the bitterness of the tonic rinses the palate. So it makes the perfect pairing for soft and creamy cheeses. Think of your white molded cheeses like brie and canbert. So any of those cheeses that have the sort of the white rind would be considered a white molded cheese. Yeah. Um, and here's a surprise to me. I never thought this would work. Gin and tonic with your blue cheeses. You got okay. the floral notes from the gin. You got that pepperiness from those blue cheeses. Together, a marriage made in heaven. I will add one thing. Yeah. In this space... The pairing of a gin and tonic with a warm, well-made omelet. Okay. You put a little bit of cheese in that omelet, and it goes so well. It goes so well with an omelet. And I'm this. Am I talking about day drinking? I am talking. I was going to say. Clearly, you drink at breakfast. I don't. I visit a friend in Montreal, and Here this we go. is a guy who didn't drink till his mid thirties. Right. Can you imagine? I have a friend who didn't drink till his mid thirties. 
But once he started drinking, he he came to things with a much more open mind, right? Mm-hmm. We forget about the rigidity that we, oh, we don't drink that, or you don't drink sure. that, that drinks for this, and that drinks for this. And um, So he was like zero preconceived notions. And so often I go to him, uh, you know, I default to his his right. And he, you know, he's he's a professional. He can sure. handle himself. I'm like, if this guy's drinking at noon, I'll have a drink at noon. The problem is he stops after the one. Right. I'm like, where are we going next? And he's like, calm down. We don't need any of that. So, but yeah, I, with your with a nice warm omelet, yeah, a few herbs in there, you know, gin and, and and you know chives, for example. I felt like that was great. A little bit of. A little bit of cheese in there too would be fantastic. I love that you mentioned the herbs because here's the thing. Each one of my cocktails has an honorable honorable mention cheese that goes with it as well. And with a gin and tonic, you can also pair it with a Stilton cheese. You might remember that's not the cheese that Ali will serve you on his cheese cuterie boards because it stinks too much. But if you're having, uh, you know, guests in your cave, perfect cheese to have as well. I would serve it to you, Mark. I would yeah. serve it to a good, close friend who can talk about Stilton comfortably like you can right now. But it's not for everyone. I love a Stilton. It's a and, yeah, it is, it is a strong scent for sure. But also, you know those cheeses that have mashed herbs all along, all, all around it? Of course, of course. That's the one that goes really well with gin. That's an honorable mention there. Gin with those mashed herbs uh, stuck on the cheese. You're in heaven. And you're a fan of uh, gin and tonics, right? Sure am, buddy. Sure yeah. am. A bit, bit too much of a fan, some okay. have said. Yeah. All right. Moving to our next cocktail, the Bloody Mary. And for our Canadian listeners, I'm going to say that you could even veer into the Bloody Caesar. So uh, if you don't know by now, Bloody Marys are tomato juice, vodka, Tabasco, a celery stick, ground pepper on top, and a wedge of lemon. Um and did they you say go, horseradish or did you not say horseradish? Uh, horseradish is more with the Caesar, I think. Uh, you could do it with the Bloody Mary too, but I always no, associate the Mary it with is the one that puts the horseradish, okay. buddy. That's why okay. I don't like the Mary. Okay, okay. So, so I, I, I take that back. Throw you your horseradish in that. I wouldn't put horseradish in my Bloody Mary. That's my thing. But I don't drink Bloody Marys. I, I'll always venture into the Caesar world, which has Clamato sauce, which is a clam and tomato uh, juice mixture. And if you're not Canadian and it sounds gross, you haven't tried it. That's all I have to say mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Bloody Mary goes well with any cheeses that are traditionally served with tomatoes. Think your dry or Italian cheeses, like you mentioned, Parmigiano before, mozzarella, ricotta, even goat cheeses go well with uh, Bloody Mary. Makes sense, I right? Tomato it. cheese. Yeah. And and the honorable honorable mention here, which I thought was surprising, was a burrata goes really well with your Bloody Mary. So if you have friends over and you have a burrata and they're not wine drinkers, make them a Bloody Mary and they'll be very happy. Okay, can I make an honorable yes, mention here yes, as well? Always, my friend. Always, as we, as we talk about a party, uh, maybe day drinking. Now, now I'm getting into some very summery fare, but sure. a michelada. You know yeah, the michelada? Of course, I do. It goes clamato number one and michelada a close number two, okay. and I'm like not on the list for me. So, for those of you who don't know what a michelada is, it is. Uh, a Mexican drink. Uh, it is, you know, uh, you're in the sun on a hot day. There is beer in it, so that's the that's the friend. You know, typically, yeah, Corona, Sol, Tecate, Modelo. Modelos would be my choice. Sure. Um, you can use clamato juice for a- additional flavor. I don't think that's the traditional way, right? But you have tomato juice, lime juice, Worcestershire sauce. Sometimes there's soy there, hot sauce, and uh, and it is. Fantastic. And it's, it's mixed with beer, right? Yeah. And 
often, and this is where I discovered this tahine seasoning, T-A-J-I-N. You don't need any extra anything. Tahine for the the rim is absolutely fantastic. And so it's a beer tomato juice mixture. But as, as weird as that might sound, you give that a try, and when it's made well, it's it's quite fantastic. Amanda loves them. My wife and you drinking those on a beach, yeah. while me, but while while me and your wife are making sure you guys don't drown in the ocean, you know, <laughs> sounds like heaven. All right, Good we luck go- both of you. That's all I have to say. <laughs> uh, I go to my favorite cocktail, my friend, and this is one the one that floored me because I I never would have thought that this was a this is this was going to work, but the Negroni. The Negroni with cheese. with cheese, my friend. I was okay. like, what? What if I've been missing? All- I love cheese. I love Negronis. Why haven't I put them together? What's going on in my life? Right. Well, so this yeah. is, you know, this is, this is a mind blower for me. So, you know, Negroni, once again, we have the, we have the recipes on past episodes. Just look, look for them, but it's gin, vermouth, Campari. It has a bitter note to it, obviously. And because of this bitter note, the cocktail pairs well with cheese. You might think it doesn't. Au contraire, my friend, it does. What the Negroni lacks in richness, any aged Gouda or Kula, however you say it, will compensate. And when you combine the two, you get a delicious combination of fruit and nuttiness on the nose with a light, refreshing finish on the palate. Okay. And, And the honorable mention here is Negroni with your charcuterie board. So it goes well with the meat. Any cheeses you have there, it's going to complement it really well. And it looks beautiful when your friends have these cocktails in their hands and they're enjoying your, your charcuterie board. Okay. Right. And and for those of you listening for the first time, yes, that's not how you pronounce charcuterie, but we let him go. We let him go. Listen, we let him. He's on his own. We can't reel him in on everything. Listen, we you pronounce it however go. you want to pronounce that bloody thing, right? You've already said charcuterie, so we're – you know what? <laughs> We've got free reign to say whatever the heck we want. Huh? <laughs> okay. huh? You put you put a nice creamy cheese. It's a cream charcuterie. Oh, so Marco's just – he invents his own stuff, and that's – Lovely. We love them for it. Okay. Ali, I think these next two cocktails, which are my last two, are in your wheelhouse, okay? The Old Fashioned. Are you a fan? I actually am. Yeah. You know, and I – it's one of those drinks. It's it's similar to the Caesar. Like, it's not top of mind yeah. often, and then you watch somebody order it, and you go, why, why haven't I been ordering that more often? Every time I see somebody order an old fashioned, I go, I forgot about old fashions. Yeah. What am I doing? Wasting my time with this beer. That I, I love an old fashioned, actually. I'm a big fan. It's a strong, serious drink. It is. And that's why I like it. You're not chugging. You're oh. taking your time with it. It's a little bit of complexity in the flavors. You can appreciate that, especially with the orange, right? The burnt yeah. orange in there. Yeah. yeah. This isn't an espresso martini or, you know, an Alabama slammer. This is the kind of drink that, like you said, you kind of sip, you enjoy with friends. Maybe there's a fire crackling in the, in the beside you. You're oh, enjoying yeah. this drink. Now, the, as you mentioned, the bourbon or whiskey gives you that caramel flavor. You've got the orange notes from the orange rind and the Angostura bitters. This combo works well with a ton of cheeses. The sweetness, the caramel notes go well with aged cheddar, grana padano, and an alpine style cheese of which you mentioned a lot. Think your Gruyere, your uh, Emmental, Raclette, Comte, Appenzeller, and your Beaufort all go well with the old fashioned. These nutty semi-hard cheeses can stand up to the strength of the whiskey. And I'm going to say this. The honorable mention here is 
if you're going to have fondue, like you mentioned at the top of the show, and you and you don't want to start with wine, serve some old fashions and your party begins. I love that idea. Yeah. Oh, you're taking me right back into the depths of winter with that old yeah. fashions and fondue. I yeah. mean, is it Christmas Eve? What's happening right now? There you That's go. Awesome. Yeah. Now, this one I picked specifically for you because when I saw this, I'm like, this is this is my friend Ali in a nutshell. It's the mezcal margarita. Oh, yeah. It's mezcalarita, a, as they call it in some places. Yeah, and I don't blame them. Uh, it's a high alcohol power punch from this cocktail. And what, what's nice about it is it actually cleanses the palate from bold flavors significantly better than wine. Yes, you heard me. This cocktail can pair better with cheese than wine. That's interesting you're saying cleanse the palate because I, I would think that – the smoky flavor sort of lives on in your mouth after you've had a few sips and that smoky flavor is going to go well with funky cheeses, my friend. Okay. So you pair this with a gold standard of sheep's cheese, which is the pecorino. Okay. The smoky and earthy mezcal oh, yeah. margarita goes perfect also with, <laughs> with a manchego, <laughs> with an asiago. But if you like pecorino, and you don't want to just shave it on your pasta, mm. uh, have it with this with this drink. You know, I see this. So you probably want to forget about the rim on the margarita because you're getting the right. salt from right. pecorinos and other saltier cheeses like manchego. Yeah. Oh, my God, my mouth. I can't yeah. even, I can't control myself. I, now, I have to go swimming in cheese after this. Here's where the end of our podcast goes back to the beginning. It's interesting because I learned something from you with regards to fat content and meltability, right? Well, some of those cheeses that don't melt go well with this mezcal margarita. Think mm -hmm. of halloumi and feta, all those cheeses that, that are lower, that, that are, have a lot of moisture in them or don't have the fat that needs them to melt are going to go well with this particular drink. Right. And the salt, the high sodium yes. uh, or the saltier taste. Anyway, yeah. there's many that have high sodium and we don't know about it. Mm. Um, we can't taste it. But yeah, like that, the, the ones that taste salty, I think that would be great. Oh, man. Now, I, can, I just want to taste for our listeners who are saying, but what is mezcal? I've, I've, I'm not sure what you mean by this. I'm just going to give you a little brief definition. So the mezcal is a liquor made from roasting and fermenting agave plants. And that's why that smoky flavor that Ali mentioned, you can you can taste in the mezcal. Tequila is a type of mezcal made from a specific type of agave plant, the blue agave, and it is not roasted like the mezcal is. Tequila tends to have a smooth, sweet flavor, whereas mezcal is often described as savory or smoky. And that smoky quality usually is attributed to the underground ovens that use that are used to cook the agave. Both Tequila and mezcal get more complex as they age. Yeah. I'm going to also uh, just add a little story here. Yeah. The first time I tried mezcal, having yeah. heard tons about it, was at a mezcal tasting. Oh. No. Oh. At a uh, all-inclusive resort. Okay. That's not where you want to do a mezcal tasting. No. Okay. I drank a sip of one of the mezcals and I ran... 20 feet backwards to, uh, I thought I was going to vomit in some bushes. Wow. I had a, I mean, immediate repulsion in a way that I don't think I've had to anything else. I was like, is that spoiled? Is that poison? Right. What is that? It was so awful. 
And what it did is it set me back in my Mezcal journey, brother. Okay. It was like another five or six years till my friend Vikram was like, dude, we got to go to this Mezcal bar. I was like, no thanks. Right. And then somewhere, somehow, I wish I, I wish I remembered how somebody introduced me, reintroduced me to Mezcal. Uh, and Cle- clearly it was wasn't like, Vikram, poor guy. No, but but eventually I was okay. like, I called him and apologized to him. Okay. I apologized to him. And he's like, I told you, man. I told yeah. you. I'm like, that, that goddamn resort. It was some really cheap, watered down, borderline poison that I, I tried. And it was awful. So I'll just say that if you have mezcal, do it in the hands of somebody who's very knowledgeable about sure. it. And that's it. Otherwise you could. And, and then if you don't like it, that's fine. Right. That's totally fine. Yeah. There's people who don't. But just have it with somebody who knows what they're doing. Amazing. I want to send a shout out to Food and Drink, Costello Cheese, the Wisconsin Cheese website. That's what helped inform me with this list today. A shout out to Vikram um, and my friends in Holland who are making some great cheeses. Oh, absolutely. And I'll yeah. shout out Spruce Eats. I did did um, quote some stuff yeah. from them and the rest. Uh, I'm going to shout out the internet. Yes. I don't okay. know if you guys have been on there, but there's a lot of information and, and, and a lot of it's good. The World Wide um, Web. World Wide Web. No one says been, that uh, anymore. Yeah, I know. Today's show is brought to you by the World Wide Web <laughs> and by my uh, my saliva, which was ever present. And I hope it wasn't uh, dangling in your ears the way it was in my mouth this All entire right. time. This is like... God, just talking about my favorite things. Um, I could talk about cheese for hours, so <laughs> I gotta, I gotta reel it back, man. Because you know, you know how every family, there's one thing that they they tend to always have in the house at the home. Yeah, like you know, it's like uh, you go to the cupboard, the cupboard's bare, but there's that one thing. For us, it was always cheese. Sure, it's always cheese. There was always a hunk of friulano available to you at any time. Frulano, yeah. another another one that you should uh, pay a little extra money for because Frulano also can be a little bit dull on the palate. But if you buy, what's a good wrong one, with your palate, man? No, I mean, you, I know, you said you said uh, you said a couple of cheeses that were were dull. The the provolone, Fontina, provolone? You, no, you provolone. said provolone and Swiss are. Are, are dull or whatever. I'm like, they have so much character to them. I don't know what you're talking about, man. This has some character, a good quality Swiss. Swiss cheese? Yes. Any day. Provolone, maybe. Regular provolone. You know what? This is I think what your happens. palate has been affected by all the hot sauces that you can't t- well, take this. It could be. It could be. The, the but I feel, I feel like the way uh, the province of Ontario, where we live, what they have done to ruin the croissant <laughs> in so many, you know, generic stores, yeah. they've I'll done similar that. things with cheeses. So when okay. you just buy a, like a Ontario made Fontina, right. you're really, no. as I mentioned it earlier, it's on, it's cheese product you might as yeah. well be getting, you're getting the craft singles equivalent. I'd of, rather uh, be punched in the balls cheese. than have that cheese. Okay. And okay. you know what? That's a great end to this podcast episode. I mean, if it doesn't, if that doesn't sum up the prevailing sentiment on how important it is to be in the hands of knowledgeable, knowledgeable cheese purveyors no. and and get cheese from its source, yeah. these are protected regions. Uh, you know, of the speaking world. of your protected region, uh, uh, these are protected regions for a reason. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think. Listen, if your mouth didn't water, we didn't do our job properly right. today. But those are great cocktail ideas. And I, I could not be thirstier and hungrier right now. Thank you so much for listening. As we said at the top, we love hearing from you. Please uh, give us a ring. And when I say ring, I mean, you know, in any of the multiple ways uh, through the um, 
through the site, wherever you listen to us, uh, your social medias, whatever. Just look for this podcast. It's delicious. You'll find yes. us. You'll, You'll find, find us. us. Yeah. We've made ourselves very findable. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Marco. I'm off to eat some cheese. All I'm right. Gonna, I don't I'll, think I can go another 10 minutes. With Ali, it's always a pleasure. You have yourself a great day. You too, brother. I'll see you in two weeks, everyone. We'll see you in two weeks with another great episode, probably an interview with somebody very special. Uh, and we'll, uh, yeah, we'll talk then. Enjoy your April. Until we eat and drink again.